It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. All right, what's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday. What a very busy news day it is today. My goodness, do we have a lot to get to. We have a jam-packed show for you lined up today. Jim Jordan, doesn't look like it went well for him today. Doesn't look like he's going to be the next house speaker. Uh, We're going to be talking about that. What better person to talk about Jim Jordan than a guy who used to work for him? He's a former presidential candidate. He's a former congressman out of Chicago. The great Joe Walsh is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. I know he has some very strong opinions on what's going on in Washington, D.C. today. Uh, So we'll get to him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Joe Biden scheduled to be visiting Israel tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And again, people that just seem, at least to me, to be on the wrong side of history when it comes to this conflict between Israel and Palestine and just Hamas, this terrorist organization. So we're going to talk about that coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, UNLV gets the keeps the cannon red, I should say, and uh, really good player, uh, transfer uh, wide receiver from Modesto, uh, Jacob de Jesus will be joining us to talk about uh, the big win and, of course, the game this weekend against Colorado State. And uh, the sports nista, Cassandra Cousineau, will be joining us. Uh, breaking news when it comes to the Las Vegas Aces in regards to injuries, and it's not good news. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later. I want to start off right off the bat with certainly the biggest news story of the day, and that's Jim Jordan. Uh, let me just start out by saying this. Before I get to the breaking news, which is, of course, Jim Jordan, uh, uh, who we thought would probably be the next House Speaker. I thought it was going to be Steve Scalise until he backed out of it. Uh, but he has been unable to secure the gavel, so to speak, on this vote. And it's not looking good for Jim Jordan. Um, I go back earlier to Jim Jordan, and we're going to talk about this with Joe Walsh coming up at the bottom of the hour. But when we're talking about Jim Jordan, based on evidence and based on interviews that I've done, this is a guy that allowed and enabled kids to be sexually assaulted when he was a wrestling coach. Okay, so that's number one. Before even his political career started, that was the character of Jim Jordan. And on topics such as Russian attack on the 2016 election and and, and Donald Trump's 2019 effort to extort Ukraine, you know, Hunter Biden and internet censorship, uh, Jim Jordan has been loaded with false allegations. He has made pushing pro-Trump disinformation a priority for the GOP caucus. This is a guy that has literally never passed a bill in his life. He's literally never done anything to help you and me as a politician. He was one of only a handful of congressional Republicans who actively conspired with Trump to overturn the election results. We know that Jim Jordan was a part of the fake electorate scheme. He was an early and enthusiastic recruit in Trump's war on the Republic and reality. I don't think anybody could debate that. And days after the November elections, he spoke at a stop and steal rally with Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, and he went with their bogus claims that the Dominion voting machines were at least partially responsible for robbing Trump an electoral victory. Jim Jordan knew that wasn't true. He's a liar. He called for a congressional investigation of electoral fraud for which there was no evidence 
and demanded a special counsel be appointed. He endorsed state legislatures canceling vote tallies and selecting their own presidential electors. And this is the guy that was the front runner to be the House Speaker for the Republicans. Hakeem Jeffries, by the way, had, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, close to a dozen more votes than Jim Jordan today. Every Democrat voting for Hakeem Jeffries. What does that tell you about where the Republican Party is at and where the Democrat Party is at? Say what you want about disagreements when it comes to the Democrat Party. Say what you want about, you know, policies that the Democrats have put forth. But the Democrats are together as a cohesive unit, for lack of a better term, in supporting Hakeem Jeffries. That is not the case with the Republican Party. It is not the case with Jim Jordan. And let me also uh, keep this in mind. Um, Jim Jordan schemed with Trump. The final report of the House Select Committee on January 6th laying out a damning detail of how Jordan assisted Donald Trump during the January 6th insurrection. They say he was a significant player in President Trump's efforts. He participated in numerous post-election meetings in which senior White House officials like Rudolph Giuliani and others discussed strategies for challenging the election. Chief among them claims that the election had been tainted by fraud. The person that is fraudulent here, make no mistake about it, is Jim Jordan. Again, he's never passed a bill in his life. And I'm glad that there were even maybe a small select few of Republicans that refused to vote for Jim Jordan. Now, those are the same people that will vote for people that I would never vote for. Uh, McCarthy still got some votes. Scalise still got some votes. Um, uh, it's, it's mesmerizing to me. It really is. But it does not appear as though Jim Jordan is going to be the House Speaker which I think is a good thing for the country. As much as I despise some of these other Republicans, I think they would still probably be a better House Speaker than Jim Jordan. I think Jordan would be even worse than Kevin McCarthy. Maybe you guys disagree with me on that. I don't know. And then there's Brian Kilmeade, the weasel on Fox News. While these votes are coming in, Kilmeade, being again the weasel that he is, was caught on a hot mic saying this live on Fox News today. Have a listen to this. Bacon. McCarthy. McCarthy. Dumbass. Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't vote for Jim Jordan, according to Brian Kilmeade, you must be a, quote, dumbass. I think the dumbass uh, is the person that made the statement, ladies and gentlemen. Brian Kilmeade muttering dumbass after GOP votes for McCarthy came in. Thank you, Brian Kilmeade, for uh, that great investigative journalistic reporting and commentary. You're, you're, really, uh, you're really very, very special, Mr. Kilmeade. So again, Jim Jordan, it appears as though he's not going to be the next House Speaker. The Republicans are in disarray. This is also embarrassing for the country. I know there's some Democrats out there that are enjoying this and getting the popcorn out, but this is not good for the country. The Republicans cannot govern. They prove it once again. It's an absolute joke. And I, and I really, I've had it. I've had it. Um, the 20 Republicans, by the way, who voted against Jordan included House Appropriations Chair Kay Granger, Mario Diaz-Ballard of Florida, Ken Buck of Colorado, and a quartet of uh, New York Republicans in purple districts, by the way. Uh, the anti-Jordan contingent cast six votes for McCarthy, seven votes for Scalise, and three for former New York GOP Representative Lee Zeldin, among some other 
alternatives. So that's the latest uh, and the breaking news of what's going on here. Jim Jordan has never passed a bill in his life. He's been wearing the Donald Trump knee pads for God knows how long. Uh, God knows what those conversations were like where Jim Jordan, we know, spoke to Donald Trump on at least two occasions during January 6th, during the riots and after and defied a subpoena, didn't want to tell the truth about January 6th because he knows he's guilty and he knows he was a part of inciting the uh, the January 6th insurrection. He knows it. Don't even get me started again with Gymnasium Jordan um, and all that stuff. So it, it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It is absurd. And Jim Jordan is an embarrassment. The Republican Party today is a complete and utter embarrassment. So this is where we stand right now. Now, while all this stuff is going on, we know what's taking place. At least I think most of us know what's taking place in Israel. We're going to get back to the Jim Jordan stuff. Uh, Former presidential candidate Joe Walsh will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. But I see people saying Joe Biden's weak. Joe Biden's this. He's not caring for the people of Israel. Well, Joe Biden's making a visit to Israel tomorrow. And I think he said all the right things in his support of Israel. So I don't know what Republicans that they want to blame Joe Biden for their hangnail. I mean, I, I don't know what they want Joe Biden to do right now. He's going over there to Israel in support of the Israeli people, in support of the president, in support of the state of Israel. I'm not sure what else you want from him right now. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, at least 3,000 people have been killed in the Gaza Strip since late Saturday. The Palestinian Health Ministry said today that preliminary estimates indicate that between 200 and 300 people have been killed in a strike at a hospital in the Gaza City. It's terrible, right? And if, listen, I'll be honest with you, while I support Israel, while I think most of us in this country support Israel, we don't want innocent people to die. We want the Israeli government to do everything they can to uh, help ensure or do everything in their powers to make sure they're not killing innocent people. And if they're not, we have a right to criticize them. There's no question about that. I, I, w- I would never say to the contrary. We don't want innocent people to die. But let's remember how this started. This started because a terrorist group known as Hamas decided to rape women, behead babies, and kill a bunch of innocent people that they saw invading their homes. There's videos of it out there everywhere. It's an atrocity. It's horrible. This is Israel's 9-11. And yes, we need to come together as a country, in my personal opinion, and support Israel. It doesn't mean you can't be critical of Israel. If you think they could have done a better job of saving innocent lives, then I am all for that conversation. I'm not saying Israel is always innocent, but let's just be clear on this. This was started because of a Hamas attack, a terrorist organization funded by Iran and supported by some Palestinians, quite frankly. Okay, the people of Palestine, not all of them are innocent in all of this. I think we need to be very clear on that. And I get this question all the time, and I posted something on social media today about it. You know, I get this question a lot, and I've gotten this question over the course of the last week. Are the Palestinian people anti-Semitic? Listen, I, I don't know what's in everyone's heart. I don't believe that everybody in Palestine is anti-Semitic. No, I do not believe that. But if you asked a lot of the Palestinian people, even through the media, when you see some of these interviews, a lot of people in Palestine do not believe that Israel should see, should, should exist. They, they think they should cease to exist 
Is that anti-Semitic? I think that's a very fair question to ask. I would argue it probably is. I'm not saying everybody in Palestine feels that way because they don't. That wouldn't be factually accurate. I try to be factually accurate on this show, but I also share with you my opinions. There is no question that at a minimum, a lot of people in Palestine are complicit. I'm sure some of them are very scared to call out Hamas, but boy, I don't see a lot of that out there. I don't see a lot of the people of Palestine that are calling out this terrorist organization called Hamas. I don't see that at all. And now we're learning that uh, people in that hospital in Palestine, the death toll is up to 500. That's terrible. I would imagine most of those people are innocent people, innocent lives lost. But I wouldn't put the majority of the blame on people of Israel. I'd put it on Hamas. They've used Palestinians as shields. They've used human beings of Palestine as human shields. These are animals. And the people of, this is one thing where you would think that the people of Palestine and the people of Israel would agree upon that Hamas is a terrorist organization and it's better for the Palestinian people if Hamas is gone just as much as it's good for the people of Israel. It's good for the world. We need to get rid of all these terrorist organizations and the Iranian government should not receive one more dollar. Not one more dollar from uh, the U.S. or or any other entity in, in the world. It's uh, it's a very sad situation. And again, when you say that the state of Israel should cease to exist, isn't that the definition of anti-Semitism? And I'm not going to get into the weeds with people about how Israel, uh, you know, got the land to begin with. No, they just want to exist. They just want to live and they want to be left alone. I would imagine many people in Palestine feel the same way. They just want to be left alone and, 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 and live their life with their families. I would imagine that's probably, I would imagine, what both parties have. But the videos I've seen on social media, both uh, the Gaza Strip, in Palestine, at the hospital, uh, where, where there's just dead bodies everywhere, it's atrocious. It's terrible. It's awful. And when people make the term free Palestine, I I also assume that those are the same people that believe that Israel should cease to exist. Why not let Palestine be free and let the Israelis be free and let them both live their lives? And let's go after the terrorists, which are Hamas, who committed these horrible atrocities. Why not do that? That's the question that I ask. And there's people out there in this country. Let's let's talk about America for a moment that are very anti-Israel. Now, I think most people in this country are pro-Israel, and I think most Republicans and Democrats would agree, and they would come together on this issue, that Israel, number one, has the right to defend themselves, and number two, are our allies, and we support them. I would think most people in this country on both sides of the aisle would probably agree on that. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but the reason why this bombing happened at this hospital and the reason why, and it's tragic, by the way, that so many innocent Palestinians have been killed is because of Hamas. You can go back to 9-11, and I'll make this analogy. Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda were responsible for the 9-11 attacks where over 3,000 innocent Americans died. Tragic horrible day in this country. The reason why some innocent Afghanis died is because we had a right to defend our country. We had a right to go after the terrorists. It didn't mean that our soldiers wanted to kill innocent people, but in war, 
when you're defending your country, sadly, innocent people are going to die. And Osama bin Laden and those that are in Al-Qaeda didn't care. They didn't care if some of their own people died. They just wanted to kill as many innocent Americans as possible. This is the same type of ideology that Hamas has. They didn't care if a bunch of innocent Palestinians died, which sadly they are. They just wanted to kill as many innocent Israelis as possible because they're animals and they have no regard for human life. And yes, you have a right to criticize Israel. But keep in mind, as I say once again, the reason why this started was because of a group of terrorists called Hamas that have no regard for human life. And no, I don't think there should be a ceasefire. When you have one of the worst terrorist attacks in Israeli history, they have a right to defend themselves. It doesn't mean they should have no regard for human life, and it doesn't mean they should be killing a bunch of innocent Palestinians. I don't support that at all. And there's fair criticism there. But Hamas needs to be destroyed. Period. And we need to be on the right side of history there. This is a very dangerous terrorist group. And when they're willing to risk their own lives, and they're willing to die, to kill as many innocent people as possible, that is a major threat not just to Israel, but to the entire world because of their ideology. These are some people that believe there are all these virgins waiting for them in heaven, and there's some sort of martyr, and they'll be seen as some sort of martyr if they kill a bunch of innocent people and rape a bunch of women. This is the ideology of some of these people. Notice how I am not using the term Muslim, because I know particularly especially in this country, there are very good Muslim people out there that do not want death to Israel, that do not want innocent people to die, whether they're Israelis or Palestinians. There are good Muslim people in this country that do not think that way. They don't have that kind of ideology. They're good people. They just happen to have a different religion than other people. I don't have a problem with that at all. Not every Muslim thinks the same way. Yes, there are some Muslims out there that are probably anti-Semitic. That wouldn't shock me, okay? But not every Muslim person is a bad person. Not every Palestinian is anti-Semitic. I would never make that statement. Why? Because it's not true. Are there some Palestinians that are anti-Semitic and they don't want Israel to exist? Absolutely. Are there some Muslims that feel the same way? Absolutely. But I'd like to think that the majority do not feel that way. I would like to think that. And I'd like to think that the majority are not bad people. They are good people. But we need to remember and we need to remind ourselves how this all started. That at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, a terrorist group called Hamas terrorized thousands of innocent Israelis, injuring over 10,000, killing over 2,000. That's how this all started. And Israel, again, has the right to defend themselves. They have the right. Now, I want to play a little clip uh, from Ron DeSantis, and Ocasio-Cortez um, commented on it. And it's interesting because I, I, I really don't agree with Ocasio-Cortez and I rarely ever agree with Ron DeSantis, but I think I'm kind of in the middle on this issue where Ron DeSantis is basically calling an entire group of people anti-Semitic. I don't necessarily agree with him, but I want to play for you this exchange and then you can tell me what you think. Here we go. I want to get you to respond to uh, something that a Republican candidate for President Ron DeSantis said about the potential for refugees from Gaza. Just take a listen. And I don't know what Biden's going to do, but we cannot accept people from Gaza into this country as refugees. I am not going to do that. Uh, if you look at how they behave, not all of them are Hamas, but they are all anti-Semitic. None of them believe in Israel's right to exist. Uh, there's a lot in there, but 
I wonder for you, does, is he touching on something that, uh, that is perhaps real here. Should Arab countries be taking on the lion's share of the burden to absorb what could be over a million, if not more, refugees from Gaza? I think there's something to be said about the region's partners being able to support and step up Palestinians. However, that does not abdicate the United States from our historic role that we've played in the world of accepting refugees and allowing people to restart their lives here. And I also want to address something very specific about what uh, Governor DeSantis said when he said, quote unquote, all Gazans are anti-Semitic, how incredibly destructive and dangerous that rhetoric is. We just had a six-year-old boy stabbed 26 times this morning because of rhetoric like that. And it is dangerous. It is unacceptable. It is reckless. And no leader in the United States of America should be amplifying a message like that. All right. So I have some strong opinions on that. I agree with Ocasio-Cortez and DeSantis to an extent, and then I disagree with both of them. I think when you say everybody in Gaza is anti-Semitic, it's an irresponsible statement. Uh, in return, it would be like saying everybody in America is racist. Every white person, you can't make generalizations like that because it's not true. Are there a lot of people in Gaza that do not believe Israel should exist? Are there a lot of people in Gaza that are probably anti-Semitic? Sure. I would agree with Ron DeSantis in a general sense, but to say everybody there is anti-Semitic, I think that's a stretch and it's not right. So I do agree with Ocasio-Cortez there as well. And what Ocasio-Cortez is referring to is this horrendous story where this landlord got into a argument with a mother about the Palestinian-Israeli conflict And the mother was stabbed to death and the six-year-old boy was stabbed to death. A horrible, tragic story. Now, I'm not going to say that they were murdered because of Ron DeSantis' comments. I also think that's a stretch by Ocasio-Cortez. There are crazy people in the world that are going to do crazy things. I do believe if you say everybody is anti-Semitic, that certainly doesn't help. When you call CNN fake news... Uh, A crazy person shows up with a pipe bomb. So, yes, I do believe that we have to choose our words carefully. And I think Ron DeSantis was a little bit irresponsible there. But I also think it's a stretch to blame Ron DeSantis for this mother and child who were tragically murdered. It's terrible. People are crazy and they're going to do crazy things, right? I remember after 9-11, if you guys recall, there were attacks on Muslims throughout the country. Horrible, right? George W. Bush spoke out against it, which I appreciated. But crazy people are going to do crazy things. Now, we don't want to give them a reason to do that, and we don't want to say things that are not true. But I I understand where Ron DeSantis is coming from, and I also understand where Ocasio-Cortez is coming from. Hey, Ron, choose your words a little more careful, right? I agree that there are a lot of people in Gaza that are anti-Israel and are probably anti-Semitic. But don't say everybody is, because that's that's not factually accurate, and that's absurd. Ocasio-Cortez, I hear what you're saying. Politicians need to choose their words much wiser. At the same time, I'm as much as I despise Ron DeSantis, and I do, I can't stand him, I'm not going to blame Ron DeSantis for this horrible story of this landlord that murdered a mother and her child. If you get what I'm saying. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, 
He's a former Chicago congressman. He's a former presidential candidate. He used to work with Jim Jordan, so I know he's going to have opinions on Jim Jordan and what took place in D.C. earlier today. Joe Walsh will be joining us next. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. It's Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Hey, everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Everybody, it's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and the latest lines on every game. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards on every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any Station Casino, Fiesta Wildfire, or the El Cortez. Details at the Sportsbooks. back. It is pushing the limits on a very, very busy Tuesday. Joe Biden visiting Israel tomorrow. And of course, uh, what's taking place in D.C. today with Jim Jordan. Get the popcorn out, ladies and gentlemen. I said to myself, what better person? I didn't expect this coming this morning, by the way. I thought Jim Jordan would be voted in, but the guy we have with us on the line right now, ladies and gentlemen, well, of course, he worked with Jim Jordan. 
He's a former congressman out of Chicago. He ran for president, and he knows Jim Jordan just about better than anybody because he had to work with the guy. <laughs> of course, I'm talking about uh, my friend uh, Joe Walsh joining us right now on the line. The always opinionated Joe Walsh. Love having him on. Joe, always a pleasure, my friend. Very busy day. How are you? How are you, my brother? I am doing good, Joe. Better than uh, Jim Jordan earlier today. What is your first reaction? And did you see this coming that uh, Jim Jordan would not get the votes needed? I didn't see 20 uh, voting against him. Based on folks I talked to, I saw a handful, five to 10, who would have opposed him on the first ballot. Um, I didn't see 20. And I think that's going to be a really difficult hurdle to overcome he's look, I know Jordan. Well, he's a bully. He's a jerk. He's divisive. He's going to push for another vote probably later today. And I don't think it'll get much better for him. Why do you think this happened though? What would be your reasoning behind not expecting? And you're not the only person to say this. There are Republicans on Capitol Hill that are, that didn't see this coming either. Why, why do you think this happened? Well, because Jordan had made a lot of progress over the weekend Remember, 55 voted against him last week Mm -hmm. in the conference. Jordan really whittled that down. uh, And that's not Jordan's strength. (laughs) That's why I think Jordan would be a really crappy speaker, because he's not kind of a get along guy with a lot of different people. But he was able to get some big establishment names yesterday to come out for him. So I thought like that, that's the tide swing in some way. But you know what? I give a lot. and, And look, not all 20 deserve credit today uh, because once there were four or five against Jordan on the board, then, mm-hmm. a, then a number of people piled on. Right. But I give those people credit because let's not forget, we're here because Matt Gates is an ass. One guy two weeks ago, one guy decided to throw the house up into utter chaos and a lot of every Republican in Congress can't stand Gates. Oh, no. Listen, I'm with you on that. But I mean, if you had to choose, Joe, between Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, what what would you choose? Well, it's a tough question for me because I know both well. And uh, to me, McCarthy, we've talked about McCarthy. He's a hollow man. He's got no core. Do you hear what he said today, Brian? He said uh, he blamed the Democrats for all the chaos right now. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a coward. Jim Jordan and I were buddies because ideologically we were close. Now, he sold his soul to Trump and uh, uh, he, 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 Brian, he's the biggest election denier in Congress. This is important. No member of Congress worked more closely with Donald Trump to overthrow an American election than, than uh, Jim Jordan did. Yeah. Uh, so he and I are like, mortal enemies now. I don't like any of them. When was the last time you even had a conversation with Jim Jordan? Do you remember? I had a conversation with Jordan about a month before I announced my primary challenge to Trump. Hmm. And he uh, he asked me strongly not to do it. And what a lot of people don't remember is Jordan didn't love Trump back then. In fact, he didn't like Trump at the beginning. But Jim Jordan's one of these guys, my friend, who he believes the Democrats are evil. Like he's said that to me, like, uh, like, like Joe, uh, I know Trump's a bad guy, but he's our guy. And the Democrats are evil. (laughs) Jordan believes that. Well, speaking of evil, I want to ask you this question and I know you'll never know for sure. Neither will I, but we have our opinions. Do you believe, I don't know if I've ever asked you this question. Do you believe that Jim Jordan 
enabled uh, children, kids to be sexually assaulted when he was a wrestling coach? Do you believe them? Uh, I, I've never really commented on that, but as, as best as I followed it, I think it's pretty clear that Jim Jordan knew this abuse was going on and just looked the other way. Mm, I mean, I think that at, at best, that's what he did. And, and that's inexcusable. Right. And and we all know the Dominion voting machines and, and, and his statements uh, with Rudy Giuliani and, 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 and many others and the, the brown nosing of Donald Trump. And uh, I actually believe that Jim Jordan was a part of the January 6th insurrection in, in, in a sense that he might have helped orchestrate it. And, and the January 6th. Ah, Jim Jordan is an insurrectionist. Period. Let's not be around the bush. Yeah. I mean, he is an, in, and I say that as somebody who was a, a good, good friend of mine. He is an insurrectionist. He tried to overthrow an American election. Now, think about that. The Speaker of the House could be an insurrectionist, but that shouldn't surprise anybody. The leader of the Republican Party in the 2024 nominee is an insurrectionist. Mm-hmm. That's where this party is right now. It's crazy. And I'm, again, I'm with you 100%. I think that's why Jim Jordan defied the subpoena. He still defied it to this this time. So I'm, I'm with you. If you're just yeah. joining us, former presidential candidate and former Congressman Joe Walsh talking about Jim Jordan. What do you, okay, let's go to Sean Hannity for a moment because Sean Hannity's taken a lot of flack. You and I agree on Sean Hannity. I think he's despicable with what he does on the air every day. But what do you make of this letter that his producer apparently, and, and Sean Hannity admitted to, sending to all these Republicans out there that they assumed would not be voting for Jim Jordan, essentially putting pressure on these Republicans to vote for Jim Jordan. What do you make of that? Because to me, that's not journalism. That's just, you're just bullying people. What do you make of this story? Well, he's not a journalist. Right. He's, uh, what is he? I don't know. He's never been a journalist. Um, So I don't blame Hannity for doing what he did, pressuring Republicans. I blame Republicans for letting an idiot like Sean Hannity pressure them. One Republican today, Brian, I forget who it was, said, let's just vote for Jordan and then we'll get the conservative media off of our back. (laughs) Boy, there's a profile in courage. Unbelievable. Um, Pathetic. But but that's that's where this party is right now. And, you know, I see the, the Democrats and, and, and their support for Hakeem Jeffries. Right. I mean, I mean, here's a guy who uh, got more votes than Jim Jordan. Right. And uh, the Democrats, while they don't always might agree on everything, they seem to be able to come together and support their own, where it seems like the Republican Party today, based on what we saw just from today alone, is in complete disarray. Yes, but I will tell you this, being in the minority, it's a lot easier to be united when you're in the minority. Hmm. Uh, but 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 having said that, you're right. The Democrats are united and they've been united uh, ever since Republicans took control of the House. Hmm. The problem with Republicans is this. Uh, MAGA, MAGA, MAGA now is my former party. It's not a fringe thing. And most of that caucus is MAGA. And the world, the world, America needs to open up to this. I mean, it's it's despicable that Jordan might be speaker, but the much more worrisome thing for us is Jordan perfectly reflects where the Republican Party is. Brian, he's an election denier, but you're talking about a party where 80 percent of the Republican voters still believe Donald Trump won. 
insane. Jordan reflects that. Absolutely insane. Joe, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you since these tragic Hamas attacks, so I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, it seems like, for the most part, Republicans and Democrats agree that that you know Israel is an important ally of ours, and we support Israel. Joe Biden going there tomorrow. Yes, you have despicable members of the squad that are anti-Israel and I believe anti-Semitic, and you do have some select few on the far right as well that has said some stupid comments. But for the most part, I think Republicans and Democrats and Americans agree. Uh, what do you make of these pro-Palestinian rallies that have happened throughout the country hours after these attacks? And, and where is your stance on this entire crisis in the Middle East? Free country. In America, you can demonstrate for the Palestinian people. In America, you're free to demonstrate for Hamas. Free country. But if you do, we're free to call you out, condemn you, and demonstrate against you. Mm-hmm. Look, um, I have always prided myself on being pro-Israel. It, Brian, if I were eight years younger, I'd be there right now fighting for that country. Wow. I love that country. Wow. Um, what I worry about is this. Islamic terrorists attack Israel. Israel responds. And the useless United Nations and the rest of the world criticizes Israel. Mm. That's what's going to happen. It's happening again. So far, Joe Biden's been good. I need Joe Biden to be better. Yeah. I need Joe Biden to go to Israel tomorrow. I need him to stand at Israel's side. Yes. And look, there are anti, there is anti-Semitism on the right. We've seen a lot of anti-Semitism on the left mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. Agree. And it needs to be called out. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so, Ron, I played a, a clip earlier where Ron DeSantis is basically saying that everybody in Gaza is an anti-Semite because everybody doesn't what want to. What a jerk. Yeah, what a I thought that what was. A jerk. Yeah. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Now, I, I, Ocasio-Cortez spoke out about it yesterday. I, I think there are plenty of people there that probably are anti-Semitic. But to make a generalization like that and to say that everybody's anti-Semitic there. I think those are really irresponsible comments. I would imagine you agree. Yeah. Look, he's trying to win a Republican primary. So he's throwing ugly meat at his face. Look, here's what we know. Hamas is evil. Israel is good. Hamas is evil. And and look, the the data tells us maybe 50% of Palestinians in Gaza support Hamas. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, so yeah, you know, look, they need to be called out. Brian, this is the easiest thing in the world. And I'll close with this. Everybody says how complicated the Middle East is. B.S. Israel wants peace. Hamas, Hezbollah, their governing charters call for the destruction of Israel. Until the moderate and uh, until the moderate Arab Muslim world Mm -hmm. stands up against these radical Islamists whose sole focus in life is to destroy Israel, will never ever have peace. Agree. Joe, very well said, my friend. Uh, always appreciate it when you come on. Uh, regards to your old old uh, friend, Jim Jordan, by the way. Uh, we wish you ah. well. <laughs> Joe, you're the best, my friend. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Uh, love having you Thank on, you, my brother. friend. All right, take care. Love you. Love, you, love you too. That is uh, Joe Walsh. I mean that, by the way. I do love Joe Walsh. I really love that man. He's opinionated. He's honest. I'll be honest with you. Back in 2016, I didn't feel the same way about him when he was supporting Donald Trump. Boy, is he on the right side. Um, and, uh, very opinionated and I love his appearances on CNN. I would vote for that guy in a heartbeat. I don't care what he calls himself, independent, Republican, Democrat. I could care less. He's a good man. He's on the right side of history. Um, he's not perfect. I'm not perfect, but, um, I love the fact how he calls out his own party and, uh, he's right. It is the MAGA party. And, and, you know, it's interesting because 
I don't, I'm not really a big fan of talking politics when it's not show related because it's so divisive, you know, but I've had a lot of people ask me, particularly over the course of last month, I've gotten this same question from, I, I met some fans of the, uh, of this show at the golf tournament. They just came up to me and they recognized me, I guess, from the YouTube page or something. And they all asked me the same question, like three or four people. They said, God, when do you, when do you think this MAGA stuff is going to end? When, when do you think it's going to be over with? And I always give them the same answer. And when I say this, I want to be very clear. I'm not wishing death upon anybody. That's not who I am. But to answer the question honestly, I told all of them, I said, when Donald Trump is no longer alive, when he's no longer on the face of the earth, I, but, and then they're like, well, what do you mean? He's not a politician. Well, he's not a politician now. He's running for office, but he's, he's not an elected official right now. As long as Donald Trump is still alive, as long as he's allowed to go on Truth Social and do interviews, as long as he's still here, the Republican Party is still going to be the MAGA party. I'm sorry if you don't like that answer, but that's my opinion. And, and I think the MAGA party is here to stay until Donald Trump is no longer alive. Um, and it's unfortunate. Do I feel bad for like Jim Jordan? No, of course not. I want to open up the phone lines now. This is the one part of the show where we are going to be accepting phone calls because uh, we have a couple guests coming up in our number two. Uh, the number to call, 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you would like to be a part of the program, that number is 702-221-7283. What are we talking about if you're just joining us? Well, we started with the breaking news of Jim Jordan. Doesn't look like he's going to be the next House Speaker, not getting the votes needed. What does this mean for the Republican Party? What does this mean for the country? Why do you think Jim Jordan was not voted in? Why do you think there are enough people that are voting against Jim Jordan for being the next House Speaker? We're talking about that. And of course, we're talking about the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Of course, we're talking about more innocent people dying. You know, I mean, look, it's terrible, right? Over 500 people died at a uh, hospital. Innocent Palestinians dying. Israel does have the right to defend themselves, but it was a line crossed today. Again, that number to call. And we have all sorts of different opinions on this issue, right? 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you'd like to be a part of the conversation, 702-221-7283. Let's go to John, who is up first. Hello, John. What's going on? Hey, Brian. Do you hear me? Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Hey, Brian. Uh, I, uh, uh, I, boy, this, this issue is so complicated. There's so many places I could start, but I'm just going to start at the basics. Okay. Uh, I'm an American. Uh, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Muslim. Uh, I have no dog in the fight. Uh, I don't, can I, can I, can given, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can I just stop and ask you a question based on what you just said? When you mm -hmm. say you have no dog in the fight, it confuses me, and I don't understand, and here's why. I don't think you have to be Jewish or have family in Israel or Palestine to say you don't have a dog in the fight. This is a terrorist group, and make no mistake about it, Hamas wants us dead, Americans, just as much as they want Israelis dead. Don't you think we all have a dog in the fight that we want any terrorist group that beheads babies to be wiped off the face of the planet. So I kind of don't understand when you make that statement, and then I'll let you finish. When you say you don't have a dog in the fight, I disagree with you. I, I believe you do. I do. We all do. Doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not, or Israeli or, or Palestinian. The, this is a terrorist group that wants to kill a bunch of innocent people. Who knows what more they're capable of? 
Okay, I agree with you 100%. I believe all members of Hamas who perpetrated this horrific terror event should be hunted down and killed okay. like dogs. so we agree. Okay. Okay, but you prefaced this saying you didn't want to get into the weeds and the creation of Israel, and you're starting it from the point that Israel's just acting like the rabbi said, so benevolently towards the Palestinians in Gaza. So I go back a little further back, okay, and... Um, my initial hatred is focused on Bibi Netanyahu. I think he is a horrible human being. I think he's a fraud. He's been on tape saying that it was his uh, intent to uh, promote Hamas, to divide the Palestinians so that he wants the land. The only possible solution to this problem is a two-state solution, and Bibi Netanyahu has absolutely zero interest in a two-state solution. Okay, so, but okay, but hold on. Of, let, let's let's talk about that. Okay, I can't speak to that statement that Netanyahu made if he said he supports Hamas or funded Hamas. What I will tell you is that I believe most people in the state of Israel do not. They don't support Hamas. They didn't fund Hamas. They want them off the face of the planet. So if you can take Netanyahu out of the equation for a moment, can we just agree yeah. that you know Israel should have the right to defend themselves? They started this attack. It was not Israel that started it. And, I, and while we probably agree more than we disagree, we don't want innocent people to die, whether it's Palestinians or Israelis. It was Hamas that started this, funded mainly by the Iranian government. And at least half of the people in Palestine support Hamas. Okay, I've got a little broader perspective. I think the way that Israel has treated the Gaza, the Palestinians in Gaza, has been horrific. It's an outdoor prison. So let's not pretend that they're treating them well. But they're not beheading babies. Come on, John. You can't compare the two. They're not beheading babies. They're not killing killing innocent people for the sport of it. Listen, I think it's terrible that over 500 Palestinians were killed today at a hospital. That's awful. But I'm still not going to go to the extent to blame Israel for that. They're defending themselves from Hamas. Those people would still be alive today if Hamas didn't do what they did. I understand you have issues with Netanyahu. Okay, I get that. Are you going to let me talk? Well, I am letting you talk. I'm responding to some of the things you're saying. Okay. For like 20 years now, uh, the Israelis have treated Gaza, the Palestinians in Gaza, like dogs. I, I, I'm a big proponent of the Indian proverb, don't judge a man until you walk a mile in his moccasins. If I was a Palestinian living in Gaza, I might join Hamas. I might be so pissed off at the Israelis, I might do something wrong. Well, I think that's absolutely but, uh, ridiculous. You, you would join a okay, terrorist let group? Me make, let me make my main point, Brian, please. You just I'm said, an American. Okay, I'm going to let you make I'm your let, main I'm going to let you make your main point. I'm not hanging up on you. But you just said your frustrations with Israel, if you were up in Palestine right now, you would join a terrorist organization in their goal to kill as many Jewish people as possible and bad babies. John, that's despicable let, let and you're better than that. Let me clarify my point. If you put me in jail for 20 years uh, without proper justification, I'm not going to be a benevolent, nice guy. What is your evidence that there are people in jail without justification? Please, let me me complete more than a sentence, okay? If I'm a black man in America, I'm not going to fall on the Martin Luther King side. he's, He's a better man than me. I'm not the guy who's going to do the peaceful protest. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get in your face and fight. But please, let me just make my point here, okay? I'm an American. I I am 100% American. We have given $300 billion in aid to Israel throughout the years in terms of current money, today's value of the money, $300 billion, okay? 
That is the equivalent. Now, these numbers get so big, they're hard to imagine. Allegiant Stadium costs $2 billion. So for the amount of money we flushed down that toilet in the, in the Middle East, we could have built 150 Allegiant Stadiums. Every state could have three Allegiant Stadiums. Instead, we got nothing but the anger and hatred of the Arab world. That is my main point. And not only are we funding Israel, okay, now we're going to go over and we're going to support the, the Palestinians in Gaza, which we should. We're going to provide humanitarian relief to them. So we're funding $3 billion a year to Israel for military might. And, and, and so they're going to use those weapons to invade Gaza and inflict this horrific uh, uh, pain on the, on the Palestinians in Gaza. Then we're going to go over and we're going to, we're going to provide humanitarian relief right. to the Palestinians. Let's start from square one. It's it, freaking it, banana. Let, let's, it's start, banana. let's start from square one. Do you don't think Israel sh- should have the right to defend themselves? Look, of course they have the okay. right. Okay, all right, next question. All right. Okay, good. I'm they glad do you... not have the right to let... They're treating them like dogs. They cut off the electricity. They cut off the water. You know, you they talk about... Okay, supply. so let's just say... They're treating them like dogs. What, what, okay, so I think treating somebody like dogs would be beheading people and, and killing innocent people. Uh, that's number one. Uh, we agree fundamentally that Israel has the right to defend themselves. So what do you think they should do? If you were the president over there, uh, what would you do if you were running the state of Israel? How would you respond to this? First of all, I would not cut off the water. I would not cut off the electricity. I don't want to know what you wouldn't do. I want to know what you would do. That wasn't the question. I don't want to know what you wouldn't do. What 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 I would do is I would continue to do that. I would look, man. These are these are these are. Israeli, Israel has kept the Palestinians in Gaza under their thumb, man. They're treated like dogs. John, 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 you're not, you're not answering my question. You're acting like a MAGA today with all due respect. I just asked you a question and all you said was what you wouldn't do. That wasn't my question, John. I'm asking you a very direct question because you're the one that's criticizing Israel and the Israeli government. If you were the president over there, what would you do? I don't want to hear what you wouldn't do. It's a very direct question, which you're not answering. And that's why I do that with everybody. I interrupt them when they don't answer my question. So I'm going to ask you again, and I'll give you more than ample time to answer. If you were the president after over 2000 Israelis were murdered and their women were raped and kids were beheaded, I want to know what you would do. They, they control the Internet access to Gaza, okay? They know, all, all you ever hear about is how great and powerful the Israeli uh, uh, spy uh, force is. They, they, they control internet access. They should know who these people are. I would support a targeted uh, uh, effort to hunt down the perpetrators. Telling a million people you've got to leave your house and you're shutting off the water and medicine and electricity and all the supplies, is uh, it's horrific. It's, it's barbarian. And where are they supposed to go? They're locked in. It's, it's, there's no escape route. They have no place to go. I would support, uh, again, these people that per- perpetrated this terrorist attack should be hunted down and killed. Do it on a piecemeal basis, not on a evacuate a million people and then level the area and pound it with bombs that America paid for. And then America has to go in and provide humanitarian relief to, to help these, uh, these Palestinians survive. When we bombed uh, parts of Afghanistan after 9-11 and we hunted al-Qaeda and innocent people died, did you have that same criticism for the United States of America? 
Yes, uh, yes, you cannot. You, we, it's, uh, Gaza is, uh, is among the most densely populated territories in the world. Afghanistan is not. So to just blanket carpet bomb Gaza is a completely different proposition than dropping But the same down. premise, innocent Afghanis were killed. Well, you know that. I'm not saying... Oh, okay, I'm not... I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect, you, you know, you, there, there aren't going to be, there isn't going to be any collateral damage. But not, this is not a targeted response. This is Benjamin Netanyahu, this fraud, this, 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 this horrible, horrible, he is Trump in Israel. What He's are you supposed scumbag. to do when half of the people that are Palestinians, half the people at least that are in Gaza, do not believe that Israel should exist, the blatant anti-Semitism, and half of those people support Hamas? What is Israel supposed to do? Put their hands up in the air and say, well, you know, John says we should just leave those people alone and give them electricity. When you have a group of people, and many of them are Palestinian, make no mistake about it, support Hamas and believe Israel should cease to exist, and you're worried about them cutting off their electricity? Okay. You can, where, where's, prove, it, prove it to me, Brian. Prove it to me that half of the Palestinians... Uh, are anti-Semitic by their actions. They harbor by their actions. They've harbored these terrorists, the Palestinian people. You said you said fifty percent. Sure, prove it. Sure, I want to see something that says that fifty percent of the people of the Palestinians in Gaza. I'll tell you what. uh, There are there is data out there to prove that. And next time you call in, I will gladly share that with you. I'm not. I don't make stuff up out of thin air. I don't have that right in front of me. But in numerous articles and studies, that at least half of those people support Hamas and they do not believe that Israel should exist. That is blatant anti-Semitism and it's harboring terrorists. Now listen, I don't want innocent good people without electricity, without water. Okay, I understand where you're coming from there. But at the same time, I'd rather them not have electricity and get the hell out of there if they can than innocent people killed. John? Look, man, we need a two-state. The only... The only chance, first of all, I don't think there's ever going to be peace in the Middle East. Ever, Probably ever, not. Ever, ever, ever. Probably it's, it's not. We agree. It's a, it, it's a bottomless pit. It's a quagmire. successful. America just needs to get the hell out. Three billion a year to Israel is ridiculous. It's a freaking joke. So uh, the only chance, the only sliver of a chance is to create a two-state solution. And that's never going to happen with Netanyahu. So these Palestinians, they're not stupid. They know that. They know Bibi's been playing them. Look at the settlements on the West Bank and all the other crap. If you have a problem with the $3 billion a year we're sending to Israel, do you have a problem with the money we've sent to Ukraine? No. I think they're two different things. There's a solution to Ukraine. We cannot last Putin. I disagree. And if we don't, he's going to go to Poland. John, I respectfully disagree with you. I, I don't think they're that different in this sense. They're both our allies. Uh, Ukraine was invaded by an evil, murderous dictator. Israel was invaded by an evil, murderous ideology and a terrorist organization called Hamas. So I respectfully disagree with you. I want them both to have everything okay, and anything they need. Answer me, answer me this, Brian. Where's Palestine going to go next? Where, where, where after they invade, is, is there any chance in hell that Palis, the, the, the Palestinians expand their territory beyond Gaza? Come on, man. Uh, prob- you know perfectly then maybe well, the Palestinians. Your, your friend Paul McCaskey said that if they if they conquer Ukraine, they're going to Poland next. Well, maybe Putin the, has a territory. Maybe the Palestinians territorially. Uh, the God, the Palestinians on Gaza. They just well, want, maybe they just many, want their own maybe state. many of the Palestinians should think about that before they support Hamas, and maybe they wouldn't be in the situation uh, come right on, now. Man. Come on, I, I come don't on. think I don't think it's come on, man. I think it's basic logic here. Many of those people support Hamas, and they don't believe Israel should exist. Israel wants to exist, and make no mistake about Israel it. Israel was created. 
Israel okay. was created in 1947. Okay. I understand they have a claim that goes back thousands of years, but you know, since humankind existed, there's been territorial disputes and borders. Have do you think Israel should exist? The world every single year. So why do we stop the magic wheel when Israel had control? Do you think? Of, uh, do you think Israel should exist? The st- should the state of Israel exist? Yes or no? Sure. Okay. Well, guess but what? A lot of a lot of a lot of hateful people in the Middle East disagree with you on that. It's called anti-Semitism, and it's an ideology. Hey, Just- Brian. Hey, Brian. Here's a here's a radical solution. Here's a radical solution, and and I'll prove to you that I'm not anti-Semitic. Okay. I didn't Let's say you were. Let's carve out a chunk. Let's carve out a chunk of land from BLM. Uh, not BLM. Yeah, the. Uh, not Black Lives Matter. What's the federal the, the organization that owns all the land? Uh, who owns most of Nevada? The BLM, what's the Bureau it's, of Land Management? Yeah, the, the BLM. Yeah, different let's, BLM. Let's go carve ahead. Let, let's, let's, uh, what's the size of Israel? It's not that big, right? Let's make it five times as big, and let's give it to all the Israelis and say, come on. Move well, to Nevada. Well, that's not, well, that's not, that's not realistic. And, and you know, that's not going to happen in a perfect world. I would be totally fine with that, but you know, that's not going to happen. John, I appreciate the debate. I appreciate the discourse and the phone call. Even we agree on some things, we disagree on some things, but that's okay. And I appreciate the call. I got to run. Okay. All right, Ryan. Glad right. you took the call. All right. Thanks, John. I don't, I don't mind having debates like that. I disagree with John's premise in certain areas. I agree with some of what he said. I completely disagree with some of what he said. But, uh, you know, maybe these are more conversations that we need to have as a, as, as a nation. I think that's fair. All right. Here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to switch topics and we're going to talk about something a little bit more pleasant, which is UNLV football, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, the cannon remains red. They beat in-state rival Nevada last week. They have a big game against Colorado State at home this week. This UNLV football team is a good team and they are five and one. And we got a... Uh, a very fine wide receiver joining us next. I've always wanted to talk to this guy. His name is Jacob De Jesus. Uh, wonderful family, really good player. And he's going to be joining us next to talk about last week and the upcoming game against Colorado State. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with uh, Jacob right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Buddy, are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super hero, that is, because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. The Farmer's Burger from Farmer Boys. Beef. 
bacon, cheese, hand-smashed avocado, and fresh veggies. Best burger champ. That's how we drop the mic. Farmer Boys, farm food ain't fast food. Farmer Boys' new always crispy fries stay crispier and tastier all the way home. If they make it home, sharing is caring. Farmer Boys, farm food ain't fast food. The T.C. Martin Show, weekday afternoons at 2 on KSHP North Las Vegas, AM and FM, p 6 hp North Las Vegas, and KSHP.com. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on KSHP. On a very busy Tuesday, a lot going on, not just in, in news and politics and sports. But i got to tell you, i got to give a lot of kudos to UNLV football. We've been doing a lot of UNLV football on the show, and rightfully so. The team's a, it's a good product. They're 5-1. and one. And to make it even better, they put a whomping on the in-state rival, of course, uh, UNR. That was a lot of fun to watch. And uh, for UNLV to keep the can in red is a very, very big deal. And they play Colorado State this weekend. Another big game. Pretty good football team, Colorado State. And joining us right now on the line, this is somebody that I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. His name is Jacob De Jesus. He's a junior transfer wide receiver from Modesto. And uh, a really nice addition to this UNLV football team. And Jacob joins us right now. Uh, Jacob, thank you so much for being here, my friend. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me, man. It's an honor. Of course. It's an honor to have you on. And first of all, let me just say congratulations, man. You guys have had a, a heck of a season thus far. The only team you lost to is a pretty darn good football team, and you guys competed in the second half. But let's just start by talking about, from the beginning, why you decided to play for Coach Odom and come play for UNLV. What, what was the main reason or reasons why you decided to come here? Um, honestly, man, uh, it was one of my only options coming out of junior college. Um, but you know, I seen you know, Coach um, Alexander hit me up and um, you know wanted me to come play for them. So you know, I jumped on the opportunity right away. Coming out of junior college, I didn't really have any too much offers going for me, and so I'm just blessed and thankful for Coach Odom and uh, Coach Alexander for reaching out to me and mm-hmm. you know allowing me to come play on the team, man. So uh, yeah, basically that was pretty much it. But I'm glad I did it. I'm yeah. Thankful for you know to be here. Jacob, was there a moment this season where you go back, maybe it was the first game of the year, the second, third, fourth, where you said to yourself, or maybe even it was in practice, where you said, man, I think we're a really good team, and I think we can make a bowl game this year, and we can do something very special. Was there a moment where, where, or the first time maybe that entered your head this year? Yeah, I think the first game that I really realized that was, I think, the third game of the season. We played Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we just came off a loss to Michigan, who's, you know, number two team in the nation, really good team. and uh, But we had a hard-fought game with Vanderbilt, and I seen, you know, how, how our defense stepped up big. We were down big in, in the beginning of the game, down 17-0, but I seen how our team came together and we rallied behind each other, defense and offense and special teams, and how we just uh, were able to make a comeback run and uh, play, really play as a team. That's when I kind of really seen, okay, wow, we have a really good, legit team here that could, you know, do more than, you know, UNLV teams have done really in the past. Um, You know, so I feel like we have a really good team that could do something really big here. Like you said, yeah. that's never, that's maybe never been done here at this, at this school. I agree. You know, I, I see so many differences in, in this team under coach Odom than in prior teams. Like you, you alluded to, whether it be coach Arroyo, I can go way back. It just seems mm-hmm. like number one. And you tell me if you agree or disagree. 
you guys are a physical football team. You're a good defensive team. And I know Odom is a defensive minded coach, but you guys are physical and you, you don't allow any team to really be bullied by. And that's my number one. Number two, there's confidence. There's a confidence with this team and an excitement. And I think in years past, when the team wasn't winning, players didn't always look forward to games. And I, and from talking to a lot of people around the program, you guys seem to be very excited. The chemistry is there. And it just seems you guys are, are just so excited for the next game and you can't wait to get back in the field, especially when you're home, right? Yeah, definitely, man. I agree with both of your points right there, especially first, number one, being physical. That's something that Coach Odom harps on us every day. He, he emphasizes that uh, mm-hmm. on us being tough. You know, uh, a lot of the way we're going to beat our teams that we play against is uh, not only our preparation, not only our hard work, but also being tougher, physically tougher than the other team, mentally tougher than the other team. And that is a big part of football. And that's a big part of, you know, winning football. And uh, your second point, exactly, man. I feel like we, we, we go into each game really confident because of, you know, the preparation that we put in each week, the hard work that we put in each weekend. You know, we, we just see, you know, what, what happens in the game and, and, and how it uh, helps us win the game. And, you know, we're, we're really confident going into each and every game. And like you said, excited, man. We, we can't wait to get out there right. on Saturday and play because we feel like, we, you know, what Coach Marion likes to say, man, put on a show. Yep. You know, we put the work in, and now it's time to go put on right. a show. You know, that's how we get people in the stands, get more people to come. Go sure. put on a show. Go score 40 points a game. And that's how, yep. you know. So we get really excited, man. When yeah. You should Throughout be. the week, it builds up. And yeah. you should be. You guys are playing some good football. All right, before we get to the game against Colorado State, and I know that's what the focus is now, and it should be, I have to mm-hmm. ask you a few questions about what took place over the weekend. You know how important this game is for UNLV and Nevada Reno, right, to get that cannon. You guys want to keep mm-hmm. that cannon red. And I just felt like you guys were in control of that game from start to finish. Like, I know that uh, UNLV, to their credit, they did beat Nevada Arena at home last year. But that was mm-hmm. down to the last play, as you as mm-hmm. you remember. And anything could have happened there. I just feel like you guys were in control the entire game. You're by far the better football team. You have a QB, who, and, and we'll get to him. He's playing uh, some great football himself, uh, mm-hmm. local product. Um, what did it feel like knowing late in the fourth quarter, that there was no way they were coming back and beating you guys. What was that like to be on the sidelines, knowing that you guys were going to keep that cannon red? It had to feel really good. It was a party. It was a party on the sidelines, man. We were over there jumping up, dancing, man. It, it felt really good, man, because, you know, we know the importance of that of that game, of the, the importance of the cannon to UNLV, keeping it red. You know, that's a, a rivalry that's been going on for a long time. And, yep. you know, um, just like the Hawaii rivalry with the, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Golden Pineapple, you know, you know, every rivalry game that we have, we take big pride in it. And that was one thing that Coach Odom was really big on was, you know, taking pride in these rivalry mm-hmm. games because they mean something to us. Yeah. You know, even though he's a first-year head coach here, you know, he, he was really big on, you know, um, emphasizing how important the, this rivalry is to, sure. you know, him and to, you know, the school. So, yeah. you know, we were, man, we, it felt really good knowing that we were going to win that yeah. game. And like you said, it felt like, you know, we, we, we were in control the whole time. Oh, yeah. You know, we, we were in there serious, man. We, we, were, we were, it was a business. You guys took care of business. There's no question about that. (laughs) If you're just joining us, he's Jacob DeJesus, a big part of this UNLV football team and their success, junior transfer ride receiver uh, from Modesto. Um, Let's talk now a little bit about homecoming. And I know there's so much on the line this weekend, right? You want to perform well, obviously, homecoming week. This is a pretty good Colorado State team. I remember one one of the best, I think, games of the year was a game I was watching live. It was Colorado State versus Colorado. That game went down to the wire. 
This is a good football team. They're well coached. How do you, I guess my question is, how do you stay focused and not worry about, hey, one game, we, we get to a bowl? You know, I mean, obviously that's got to be in the back of your mind. You guys are in a great position now, but how do you just remain focused week to week and not get too far ahead of yourselves and focus on Colorado State? Well, I think the the biggest thing that we, we try to focus on is, you know, being 1-0 and each week, like you said. Um, you know, we got to focus on Colorado and focus at the, at the game at, the game at hand, you know, the task at hand, we got to focus on, you know, what's right in front of us before we can focus on, you know, uh, the things ahead. But, you know, getting a bowl game is important to us. But Coach Odom was saying earlier in our team meeting, man, that's a given. You know, as long as he's here, bowl games should be things that that UNLV is expected to be in every year. Um, you know, we're chasing some something much bigger than a bowl game this year. We're we're going. You know, as Coach Odom said, we're we're chasing championships each year that he's that he's here. We're chasing not just bowl championships, conference championships. You know, right. So being in a bowl game, you know, it's it's an amazing amazing feeling, amazing experience if we get to do it. Um, but that's not the biggest goal for us, yeah. man. We're trying to, you know, be the best team we can be, you know, go 1-0 and each week and finish the season off, you know, champions, Mountain West champions, whatever it may be. You know, we're we're not worried about just the bowl game. We're, we, you know, we're trying to do something that no UNLV team has ever done before. Yeah. You know, I remember uh, I haven't we haven't had a coach here at UNLV talk like that in decades. I'm just going to be honest with you, Jacob. I'm pretty old. I'm 43. I've been covering UNLV football for 20 years since I've been out here. And the fir- I remember the first time I interviewed Coach Odom, I liked him right from the beginning. He answers mm-hmm. every question specifically. He doesn't hide from anything. He said, listen, we're going to be judged on wins and losses. There's a lot of other things you can judge us on, but we're going to play hard. And uh, what just like what you just said, we should be expected to make bowl games and compete mm-hmm. for Mountain West Conference championships. We haven't had a coach talk like that in a long time. And I, I just think that the team plays as the-, the character of your coach and the personality of your coach. He's a guy that, you know, wants everyone to take responsibility for, for, for what they do on and off the field. But it seems like he's also a guy that, uh, walks the walk and talks the talk, if you know what I'm saying. And the yeah. product, the product shows on the field. And I haven't talked to any player that doesn't love playing for this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. I, and, and listen again, not to go backwards, but we haven't always had teams like that where players enjoyed playing for the head coach. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. It just seems uh-huh. like you guys want to play for him. You know, you guys obviously want to play for each other, of course, but mm-hmm. you want to play for Coach Odom too. Is that because that's kind of the sense that I get, right? Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, man. Coach Odom, he's a very good coach, very good coach. And, you know, he talks really well. He motivates us really well, man. And I'm not going to lie, man. Every week you come into practice and you're like, man, I'm, you know, feeling a little sore this practice or feeling a little, you know, tired you know right. but he gets you right up motivated just like today man he was telling us man we cannot become complacent we haven't finished the job we haven't done anything that mm-hmm. we wanted to accomplish yet so you know we got to get up and uh you know he talked about some of the failures that he had in the past when back when he was the head coach before and how he you know um he was saying how he uh kind of let the team down by not staying up on us preparing us each and every week so he was saying i'm not gonna let that happen again you know, we got to prepare. I'm not going to let anything slip by. We need do he's going to demand perfection from us each and every day. And that's how we're going to, you know, get the job done. That's how we're going to reach our goals. We got to come in right. every day, like, you know, demanding perfection, demanding excellence. And and how nice is that? Uh, not many division one coaches will admit any failures or mistakes mm-hmm. that they've made. I'm just being honest. I've talked to many division one coaches, football, basketball, you name it. 
They don't like to admit mistakes. And how nice is it that, number one, he's willing to admit that in front of his team and willing to say he's not going to let that happen again. I think that's a testament uh, to him. No question about that. So looking forward now to this Colorado State team, I know it's early in the week. What are some of your concerns? Uh, maybe concern is the wrong word, but talk to me a little bit about this Colorado State team and uh, what do you? What type of game do you expect on Saturday? And 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 I don't expect you to give me your entire game plan here on a Tuesday, but uh, I don't want you to do that. But but what do you what do you expect from this team? Because this is a team that's very different than maybe some of the last few teams you've played. Yeah, definitely. I think this game is going to be a real test to to us. I think it's going to be a hard fought game the entire game. You know, um, obviously, I hope we go out there and kick their butt. Uh, you know, but reality, you know, they're they're a really good team. Just like you said, they played Colorado. It came down to the wire, and Colorado's a really good football team. So, right. you know, and they just got a big win against Boise State, another good football team. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're going in there um, without, you know, any underestimation or anything like that because we see that they're a good team, and we're, you know, yeah. we feel like we're a good team. So Absolutely. I believe it's going to be a really good fought bo- uh, battle. Um, you know, I think it, it may come down to the, you know, the fourth It's going to come down to the fourth quarter, I believe. So, yeah, I do you know, too. it's going to be yeah. a real, a real tough game. They have a really good, uh, offense, a uh, really good quarterback, some really good receivers. And also they have a really good, uh, uh, rusher, a DN. He's like, I guess, uh, leading this, he was leading the Saxon, leading sacks in the nation right. uh, for the past few weeks. So, you know, we're, yeah. we're focused on him and, uh, yeah, you know, they're a good team, but we expect, you know. I think it's going to be a lot of back and forth. That's what I think. And maybe Coach Odom doesn't want doesn't want to hear that because he's such a defensive minded coach. But but look, two good offenses. Let's talk a little bit about your quarterback. Uh, so much respect for him coming out of Liberty High School, and the way he came in. Brumfeld get got hurt, and the way he's played to me has been phenomenal. You know, coming in here and it, can you talk a little bit about him and the confidence you guys have in him and the way he has played? I, I just think it's been second to none. He's been phenomenal. Man, Jaden has stepped up big time, man. And, you know, redshirt freshman, he's young, but he has a lot of poise, man. He has a lot of confidence, which is what I really like, man. He, he, you know, he's not afraid. You know, he goes in there and he came in there, uh, Vanderbilt, when Doug got hurt and, you know, started making plays as soon as he got in. So, you know, it just shows you a lot about his, his work ethic and uh, yeah. his character. Yeah. He's a, you know, phenomenal player, man. Like I said, a lot of confidence, a lot of poise. Uh, really smart, you know, um, he's still young, makes some, you know, uh, rookie mistakes sometimes, but, yeah. you know, he talks with coach, um, with coach Marion and, uh, you know, they get it fixed right away and he listens to coach Marion, man. And, you know, he's just a really good quarterback, man. I, I have a lot of confidence in him, you know, that like when he's back sure. there. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I just feel like he's a really good player, man. He's going to do big things this season. And I also think it helps when you have some great play calling as well and good coaching. And, yeah. you, and you guys clearly have that this year. Uh, away from football, I have to ask you, man, you know, you have a beautiful family, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. You have a son. Yeah. Are you married? Uh, uh, I'm uh, engaged right now okay. with my fiance, Kirsten, and uh, we have a daughter. Daughter, I'm sorry. Daughter. <laughs> yeah. I got that wrong, but uh, how, that, that's really cool. And, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of stories uh, about uh, the car accident that your family was in. And, you know, it reminded me a little bit about my story of, you know, my family was in a very serious car accident when I was 12 years old. And, and it's something you yeah. never forget. I lost my grandmother in that car accident. And I was really happy to hear that, you know, everyone, right, got had a full recovery. But, I mean, how scary was that? for you to, to have to go through something like that and and thank god that everybody's okay yeah 
Well, first off, man, I'm sorry to hear about your grandma. Thank you. Man. Thank uh, you. But yeah, it was, you know, I know, you know, I have some feeling of what you're feeling, man. I was yeah. really scared when I heard about the car accident, you know, especially because I got a call from her phone, mm -hmm. but it wasn't her talking. It was, you know, somebody else talking for her saying that she's just been in a car accident and mm. that the ambulance is taking her to the hospital. So I didn't even get to talk to her. I was like, Whoa, what wow. is going on? I immediately ran out the house and went straight to the doctor's hospital and, you know, while like, while I was sitting there in the emergency room, man, just a lot of things just going through my head, man, wondering if they're going to be okay, you know, just, you know, praying for them. You know, I was really scared at that moment, man. It was a really dark time for me, but, uh, you know, good thing. God blessed, you know, both of them to be okay. You know, nothing, uh, no real serious injuries has uh, happened from the car accident, but it was a serious car accident, man. Both cars were totaled head-on collision mm. it, it was insane that they were able to come out of that you know yeah really um well so you know i'm yeah. just happy and thank god for that sure and it makes you appreciate yeah. life right every day yeah it's a blessing right i mean we, we've all been through it i have been through sadly some similar circumstances um you know it's uh it's an incredible run that you guys are on it's 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 been a really fun uh, season to watch. I guess my one of my last questions for you is this: y You have a beautiful fiance, a beautiful daughter. Uh, you're taking classes at UNLV. How are you able to do it all? I guess at once. I mean, it, going to practice every day, focused on on the next game, and 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 performing at such a high level, and being a father, right? Soon to be a husband, um, mm -hmm. and 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 make grades. How are you at, at such a young age? How are you able to accomplish that all? Um, you know, I feel like it all starts with support, man, support from my family, support from my fiance, Kirsten, man, she's a really big part of, you know, why, I'm, how I'm able to do this, man. And so, uh, you know, her really being able to handle, uh, working and handle, you know, taking care of our daughter together. Um, you know, she's a really big part of, you know, helping me, you know, accomplish all the things that I'm accomplishing and helping me to play well, helping me to, you know, do my schoolwork and making sure that's all taken care of. So she's a really big part of it. The school also helps out a lot. Um, our daughter actually goes to the UNLV daycare oh, cool. here for free. Yeah. So they hooked me up with that. And, uh, you know, it's just really, it's really support, man. As long as you have support from, I have support from the university, from my family, from my uh, fiance. Like, you know, that's, I feel like that's the biggest thing, you know, is support. Mm -hmm. What is it like for you when, when you look in the stands and I would imagine you see your daughter and your uh, fiance out there? How special is that for you? Man, that's the best feeling, man. You know, when I was in JUCO, uh, you know, I was, uh, I always, always thought to myself, man, I, I was, I was, you know, they were there. I was there with my family, but, um, you know, I wasn't doing, you know, I was doing football. I was playing uh, junior college football, but I wasn't at the level that I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't say I was doing something that I loved, not at the level that I wanted to do it. And then when I first got here, they were, they didn't move out, move out there with me at first. Oh, sorry. I mean, that's okay. They didn't move out there with me at first. So then, uh, you know, I was doing football. Um, but then I didn't have my family with me. So I was doing something that I love, but I didn't have the right. people that I love with me. Now, you know, it's the perfect combination. I have them, yeah. you know, in the stands with me. They're right there and I'm doing the thing that I love right here That's on the special. field. So, you know, it's the best of both worlds, man. Yeah. The best combination. I get to see my family, yep. the people that I love right there in the stands and also play yeah. the game that I love right here. Speaking of know. the game you love, who's your favorite football player of all time? My favorite football player of all time, man. Yeah. This is a little, this is a big, big, big deal to me, man. Cause I used to like my 
favorite player used to be like Ladanian Thompson because I used to be a running back. That's the reason why I never wear number twenty one. It was because of him, Ladanian Thompson. Yep. My fault. I mean, uh, he was downstairs uh, by the coach's locker room. Sorry, man. That's okay. Go ahead. It's all right. My bad. Uh, yeah, right. he was the reason. I used to be a running back my whole life, so he was the yep. reason I wore number 21. Yep. And then, um, but, you know, I really grew fond of uh, Julian Edelman growing up watching Ooh. the Patriots win all those Super yep. Bowls and stuff. And then me changing my position to receiver, man. And, you know, I feel like we're almost like yeah. – He's from California. I'm from California. Yeah. He went. He was a JUCO product. You know, sure. I feel like I'm, you know, a JUCO product. Um, yep. You know, I just feel like I relate to his story a lot, you yep. know. Um, yep. So I would say Julian Edelman is up there with one of my favorite you know, football players. Tom Brady, Gronk, they get a lot of credit, and rightfully so, Bill Belichick. But uh, I don't think we hear Edel- Edelman's name enough. He was such a huge part of those <laughs> Super Bowl uh, championship yeah. teams. Uh, and I- I'm with you, man. What a phenomenal player, Edel. What a career he's had. Well, you're having quite the college career yourself, and, and we're glad you're here at UNLV, Jacob. Uh, you're a good dude. And uh, go kick, as you said, kick some butt out there on Saturday. I'll be there against Colorado State. We want to get as many fans as possible out there because you guys deserve yep. it this is a good football team it's a good product a good coaching staff and you guys play play really really hard uh so this is a huge game and hopefully uh at homecoming week hopefully at the end of the game we can be talking about what it means to to make a bowl game for this team so uh jacob yep. de jesus i appreciate your time my friend and uh go get him on saturday okay all right thank you so much brian have a good one appreciate it thank you jacob uh that is jacob de jesus uh, junior transfer, uh, wide receiver from Modesto. Uh, good dude. Really nice family. Um, and uh, really ha- glad that uh, they offered him a spot here on this UNLV team because it's paid dividends. He's done a nice job out there on the field. Really, really good receiver. And um, listen, this frustrates me a little bit. <laughs> a lot of things frustrate me in life. People always assumed that I must be anti-UNLV because I call out bad coaching. I call out people that I don't think deserve to be in those positions. And Marcus Arroyo was one of those people. I don't think he w- he did a very good job. I don't it's not that I don't think he didn't. There are still people in this town, people that cover UNLV that if they had it their way, coach Arroyo would still be the coach here. It was a disaster. He didn't recruit locally. He was terrible with the media. Basically, he's the opposite of Coach Odom. Odom recruited locally. He went to like, when I, first time I interviewed him, he told me the first week he was hired, he went to like 30 different local high schools because he gets it. Odom is a good football coach and he gets it. Arroyo was a disaster. We have a good athletic director. Eric Harper is a good athletic director. Period. He's the best athletic director they've had in decades, in my opinion. Harper gets it. He's a former college football player himself, I believe, out of Kansas. If I'm not mistaken, it might have been Kansas State. And he gets it. And he made a decision that I guarantee you Desiree Reed Francois, the Joker, would not have made. That is firing Coach Arroyo and bringing in a guy here that is dramatically changing the culture for UNLV football and Coach Odom. He gets it. He's great with the media. He's a modest guy. He's a great promoter of the program. He's a good role model. He's a leader. And he's a good X's and O's guy. And he's got these kids buying into what they're trying to do. Did you listen to what Jacob said? I haven't even heard a player say that in God knows how long. We are expected to make bowl games. We are expected to compete for Mountain West Conference titles. That is, now Jacob's a great kid, but that is the message being sent to guys like Jacob from the coaching staff, from Coach Odom. That doesn't happen by accident. That's because of Coach Odom. That's because of 
our athletic director, Harper, who hired Coach Odom. Great hire. It's not that I'm negative or I'm, I'm anti-UNLV. It's that I call out bad coaches. I call out bad hires. And because of that, some people in this town don't like me for that. Some people at UNLV might not like me for that. And that's fine. I don't care because I'm always going to be honest. I've said I've liked Coach Odom from day one. I've said I've liked Harper from day one. They're both, Odom to me is the perfect guy to be in this position as the coach. Perfect guy. He knows what it takes to win at a high level. He came from a, 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 you know, a, a very good football conference as a head coach. And he wants to be here. The guy wants to be here. I'm not anti-UNLV. I'm anti-bad hires, bad coaches, bad athletic directors. Right now, UNLV has a good athletic director who makes good decisions, and we got a good head football coach. Some people don't like honesty in this town. I don't work for the flagship of UNLV. It's not my job to lie to you every day like some people do on the air. It's my job to be critical when I should be critical. And it's my job to be positive when you should be positive. And there is a hell of a lot of positivity around the UNLV football program. And I haven't said anything negative about this program since they hired Coach Odom. Because it's not warranted. That's why. Because I'm honest. I'm honest. So if you want to listen to people that are dishonest, and you want to listen to people that drink the Kool-Aid that are not going to tell you how they really feel, then go ahead and listen to them because that's not who I am and that's not who I'll ever be. I could be talking about the war in the Middle East. I could be talking about UNLV football. I'm always going to be honest with you. Nobody tells me what to say. Nobody tells me what to do, except maybe my mom once in a while. But that's another story for another show. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, uh, thank you, Jacob DeJesus, for coming on. Great young man. We've interviewed some really great young men on this UNLV football team that have a lot of character. Uh, let me say that. That's also important. Uh, very important. And Coach Odom is another one that has a lot of character. And I'm really, really looking forward um, to this game on Saturday. Colorado State's uh, a good football team. And uh, I think UNLV is going to have their hands full a little bit. Um, and by the way, Jacob DeJesus uh, had the longest return, I believe, uh, 96 yards in UNLV football history. So congratulations. I should have asked him about that. But uh, what a nice young man. And um really happy for him, happy for the UNLV football program. I'm really excited about the game on Saturday. UNLV football, this is something I have not said. I've said it a few times this year, but I haven't said this consistently in 20 years of covering this program. Right now, UNLV football is a good product. The kids play hard. They're a pretty good defensive team. They're physical. And they have a very young quarterback at a Liberty who has a very, very bright future. Something else that UNLV has struggled with at the QB position. They're well coached and uh, they deserve respect. And I hope uh, a lot of people come out to the game on Saturday because quite frankly, this team deserves it. UNLV deserves it. The football program deserves it. So thanks to Jacob for coming on. Really nice young man and I really enjoyed talking to him. All right, somebody else I enjoy talking to. We're going to talk a little Aces basketball coming up next. Some bad news out of the Becky Hammond camp. Um, this is uh, not good. We got a couple injuries report to report to you. One that was a shocker to me. We'll talk about that. Coming up next, she's known as the Sports Nista, LVSportsBiz.com. Cassandra Cousineau will be joining us next. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. It's Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP.
everybody. Are you struggling to find a pizza place that reminds you of Brooklyn? That true blue New York style pie? Well, worry no more. Stallone's Italian Eatery Pizza is a knockout. We're located at 467 East Silverado Ranch Boulevard, just off of Premier Road, half a mile east of South Point Casino, just minutes from the Las Vegas Strip. Come by and grab a slice of pie. Plus, check out our Brooklyn-inspired Italian cuisine. Our sandwiches are super. Hero, that is. Because why be a sub when you can be a hero? Stallone's Italian Eatery is here to serve you phenomenal food, Vegas. Forget about it. It's that time of year again, Las Vegas. Homecoming is here. On October the 21st, your UNLV Rebels will take on the Colorado State Rams inside Allegiant Stadium. We want you to experience the excitement and be a part of the festivities. Bring your friends and family together to cheer on the Rebels and get your tickets now at UNLVtickets.com or by calling 702-739-FANS. It's Brian Shapiro from Pushing the Limits here. I want to tell you guys about my good friends at the Postal Annex. They have a notary signing agent, on-site daily, no appointment needed, and they offer a full-scale of printing services from shipping labels to documents, business cards, banners, photos, and business signage. They're your passport service headquarters. They offer passport photos, and they can renew your adult passports. If you're traveling in a hurry, they can get those passports to you within seven days or less. Mailbox rentals with a physical street address, and they also receive your packages from Amazon, UPS, FedEx, USPS, and more. Here's the best part. If you're a Pushing the Limits listener, they have an introductory rate of only 39 bucks for a three-month service. You can't beat it. Give them a call. 702-873-8005. Check them out at 6130 West Flamingo Road. It's the Postal Annex. Tell them I sent you. Buying or selling a home is a huge life event that requires guidance from an expert in the industry and community. My name is Blake Wynn. You may recognize my name as my grandfather was the best governor the state of Nevada has ever had. Growing up in Las Vegas, I've come to know this community intricately. Now, I am raising a family here as well. So I understand all the issues impacting our home and quality of life. As the top realtor for the number one real estate team at Keller Williams, you can have confidence in my experience, knowledge, and track record. When it comes to buying, selling, or investing in real estate, choose a name you can trust and someone who understands the community you call home. Call Blake Wynn today and experience the difference of a trusted expert. 702-540-3311. Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us. Programming note, actor Miguel Nunez Jr. will be joining us on the show tomorrow. Juana Man himself. <laughs> That's always fun. Some other special guests uh, lined up for tomorrow's show as well. And tomorrow also happens to be Game 4 of the WNBA Finals between the Las Vegas Aces and the New York Liberty. Aces, of course, leading the series 2-1. to one. If they lose tomorrow, the series gets back to Vegas on Friday. And, uh, ooh, we've got some uh, bad news if you're an Aces fan. Uh, it, it certainly didn't look good 
when Chelsea Gray went down and then she was on crutches after the game the other night, uh, she's, I, I knew she wasn't going to be playing. There was no way she was going to be playing tomorrow. Uh, she's on a scooter. And then uh, some news broke out that I had no idea that Stokes was going to be out as well. I, I had no idea. So this is this is some uh, breaking news stuff this morning from the Becky Hammond press conference and discuss this. Uh, love having her on, of course. She is known as the, as the sports nista, does a great job for lvsportsbiz.com. Her and Alan Snell are, are awesome. Of course, I'm talking about Cassandra Cousineau joining us right now on the line. Thank you so much for joining us, the sports nista. How are well, you? Well, hello there. <laughs> you caught me at my desk this morning. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's cool. <laughs> this afternoon. I've been up since 4.30. Is it morning? Is it afternoon? What's oh, my God. 4.30. That's like hell. I, I, I don't like to wake up before 9 a.m. or I'm very grumpy. So yeah, it's I, the you know. <laughs> right. So this is uh news that unexpected, uh partially unexpected, right? Uh, you know, Chelsea Gray, I don't think anybody expected her not only to play Wednesday, but there's no way she can come back and play in this series. But what happened to Kia Stokes? Because I had no idea that uh, she hurt herself and I guess she was on seen on crutches today. Yeah, she's on crutches. So there's no official announcement on what the extent of the injuries are. Um, they've both been ruled out for tonight and for tomorrow night mm-hmm. and then are questionable. Um, should there be a game five? So don't really know. We did see Chelsea mouth during the broadcast. Uh, my foot popped. Now, usually if an athlete says something popped, it's generally like the Achilles is popped. So likely that's what it is. We're not going to see her again. Um, Kia, I had to go back and see if I can find any tape on her from the last game. There was no indication Mm. that she had injured herself in that game. So whether this was like something that was lingering and was exacerbated uh, by the last game or if it happened then, like, uh, it was a complete surprise. So, so this is really bad news on a number of fronts, and you could tell me whether you agree or not. But you know, to me, Chelsea Gray is is their second best player on this team. Uh, I would say Asia Wilson number one, but Chelsea's their floor general. She does everything. She can create for others. She's a physical player. She's a good defensive player. She certainly can score from just about anywhere. Great shooter. She's just your facilitator and your veteran. So somebody else has got to fill in those shoes, and I'm not sure they have a player that can do that. I mean, listen, uh, you've got Plum who can distribute. She's great with the ball. Uh, and, and Jackie Young's a great player also. But Chelsea Young, there's no replacement to Chelsea uh, Gray. And then, and you know, Stokes, while she's not a very good offensive player, she's a big body. She's a good defensive player, and she's a rebounder. And we know if there's one thing that the New York Liberty do really well, it's rebound, and they're physical. So I just think it was already a tough matchup for the Aces, and they've played a phenomenal series at least through two games. I, I just don't know how they get the W tomorrow. I don't know. And in New York with 21,000 uh, hometown fans right. um, in that hostile arena in Brooklyn, it's going to be a tall order. Um, so when it comes to Chelsea, I think if you say that Asia's MVP, I think that um, Chelsea is the most important player sure. on that team. Uh, Becky often says that she's the other coach, mm-hmm. um, that there are times when Chelsea just kind of runs that floor and Becky just allows her to do it. Like you said, she's a floor general. I also believe she's the best one guard in the world. So you're not just losing a guard on your team. You're losing the best guard person in that position in the world. Um, now, when it comes to who's going to fill that, it's going to be by committee, right? But yeah. in a, so Plum is certainly capable 
Um, and she has some brilliant passing. She's been great on the boards for them. Those guards have been rebounding very well. But what's not being talked about, Kelsey Plum has a broken finger. Um, she was asked about it at the, the last home game, what was it, Sunday, um, when they were here, and she did not answer the question. So we can assume she has a broken finger. So um, she's also not playing with all 10 digits out there. So mm. being a being accountable for the majority of the ball handling is going to become an issue now. Right, right. So you've got Plum and you also – so a lot of people are kind of talking about how Aces had no bench and, you know, Becky doesn't go deep. They did have a bench, if you recall, at the beginning of the season. Right. Uh, but – you, Alicia Clark was supposed to be um, the actual anchor of that second unit. So, but then Requiner Williams had the back injury and then the legal troubles did not come back. Of course, Candace Parker is out. So, can I ask you about that? Can I, player. Can I, sorry to interrupt, but you, you mentioned Candace Parker. That was my next question for you. There has been speculation that Candace Parker would possibly come back in this desperate situation. What do you know about that? Is there any chance Candace Parker suits up tomorrow or is she just still not ready? They asked Becky about it and she laughed. Um, she's like, you know, there's no indication. She is in New York. She's been in New York this whole time. So mm -hmm. she's able to fly. <laughs> they will fly across country. Um, we know that. So, and she's no longer on crutches. So she's no longer on crutches. Kia is in, uh, and Gray is on the scooter. And so, I mean, also consider this. Natalie uh, Williams went from being possibly the GM of the year to like a complete freaking horror show. Right. So they got rid of Dierica Hamby and what and also a first round pick right. for Candace Parker. Mm -hmm. And then they went with 11 on that roster. They got one hardship player back when uh, for Requina not Candace. And so I know there was kind of some confusion last week when Kelsey Plum said, you know, we didn't get a hardship player and, you know, league went a lot. People were like, but you did. Yes, they got one. They did not get two mm -hmm. hardship players. That's what she's talking about. But the Aces mentality is like, nobody cares about our hardship, man. We, we got to suck it up right. and we got to get out there and hope. And I will say this about this team. There's some dogs on that court. Oh, sure. Like, those girls, Jackie Young is playing more physical than we've ever seen her play, but they're playing against a team that's perhaps the most talented in the league. Yeah. I felt like uh, the first two games, I'm not sure the Aces could have played any better defensively. I'm not, I'm not sure the Liberty could have shot the ball any worse. I'm not sure Brianna Stewart could have played offensively any worse than she did. And then I look at game three, and to be honest with you, even with the uh, injuries, Aces still would have lost that game. Um, and then maybe game four is a different story. Uh, and again, I hope the Aces surprise me. I just don't see how they get the W on the road tomorrow. Now, I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because the Aces could surprise people and maybe they come up with a dramatic win tomorrow. It's possible. I'm going to see you on Friday, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could happen, right? I mean, I also, I also am very selfish and I know that if there's a game five, I'll be sitting courtside with Vivica Fox again. So. <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, she would like to, and I'm sure that the Aces will accommodate her, but uh, and they're great, by the way. But in all seriousness, if there is a Game 5, the one thing that the Aces will certainly have going for them, and I'm going to assume, and it's just an assumption, assuming that a Stokes and Gray do not play if there is a Game 5, 
I still think the Aces uh, have to be the dogs in this game. And, and I'm not saying they can't win at home with the fans. And I think it'll be a great atmosphere. I know it will be. But this was already a tough matchup for the Aces. Now, it's it, I'm not going to say impossible, but it's even mm-hmm. more difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. You've lost two key players. Uh, you know, your, your floor general and your, your player that you need. Uh, I don't know how they defend in the post. I'm going to be honest with you. Asia Wilson can't do it herself. You don't have Candace Parker out there. They don't have size under the basket. If I'm the Liberty, I'm giving the ball to Brianna Stewart every single possession, and their center is... Well, a- John Quell Jones is the best five in the world. Right, Best right. natural five. Correct, correct. In the world. Correct. You, mean, you can't guard both of them. She's been beasting. Yes. She has been beasting. To Asia's credit, I mean, listen, we watch a lot of women's basketball. Mm -hmm. Asia has really improved her footwork. It is beautiful. She has learned ways to shoot up and under Donquell Jones, and she's not afraid to be physical. But for 40 minutes, that is a lot. uh, To be Mm -hmm. asking her to Who guards the four? With Stokes not out there, who's who's your starter at the four? Well, you're going to see some Kayla George in there. Mm. Um, you're going to be some switches with uh, Kirsten Bell. And then Elena Coates is going to be in there. Look at this on paper. Uh, at the beginning of the season, you had Candace Parker, Raquina Williams, um, Chelsea Gray, and Kia Stokes. They were all on the roster. They are yeah. not available for game four. Yeah. Two of them, three of them, definitely not for game five. Sure. Should there be and listen, all due respect to Kayla George, she's a very nice lady. She can shoot the three. She's got some range. She's not a very good defensive player. And we're talking about the WNBA finals against some of the best players in the world, as you just mentioned. Uh, that's Watch gonna... the foul trouble. Yes. Watch fouls that, yeah. for the aces, Did, especially with Clark. Can you imagine if Asia Wilson gets in foul trouble? Can you imagine? I mean, in Clark, to me. You know what you do? You know what you do? You start a fight. You just like go clock somebody <laughs> and get thrown out just out of fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, Asia's not that kind of player, but uh, so somebody, you know, maybe, maybe start a fight. Yeah, like, well, listen, I think I think the only way the Aces win tomorrow is uh, Jackie Young and Kelsey Plum need to play perfect games. They need at least probably they need 50 points out of both of them, which I think is possible, but unlikely. Asia Wilson's going to have a tough game because they're going to be very physical with her underneath the basket, but she also needs to have a good game. Uh, And that's just to compete. And and I know some people are going to disagree on this. They all need to have their best game of the series, and we know how good they were in game one and two. They need to be even better in game four. Uh, I tend to think that it's going to be coming back for a game five. And I, I know there's going to be a lot of Aces fans that are going to be very angry at me because I make predictions and I hope I'm wrong because clearly we both want the Aces to win. They're wonderful people. Uh-huh. It's a great organization. It's wonderful people. I th- I, I'm think i going to be honest with you. I think the Aces are in a lot of trouble right now. I think they're, in a, they're in a whole heap of doo-doo. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. are right now, which I'm surprised. The odds still have them at plus. Makes six. no sense. I was just going to. Makes I'm no like, sense. Is that line going to move later? I don't know a whole lot about betting. I would just assume by 5 o'clock tonight, there should be some changes yeah, in that line. Yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. I think it should be the other way around. I, 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 for At a minimum, I think the Liberty should be the favorites right now. Maybe not a heavy right favorite, but they should be the favorite to win the next two right. games. But with Chelsea Gray, and it appears if she's on a scooter, there's no way oh, she's going to be playing game five, right? I mean, there's no way. No, Will's really She ain't coming back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then as far as Stokes goes, you know, even if she does come back, she's not going to be anywhere near 100%. Uh, I think the Liberty have to be the favorite right now, not just to win tomorrow, but to win the series. But 
There's one thing that's going for them, as I mentioned, and it's the fact that if there is a game five, which I believe there will be, it's back in Vegas. That's a big deal. Uh, So I think that'll be a dogfight if it does. But I'd be shocked if the Aces win tomorrow. I mean, I don't know if you disagree. I'd, I'd be shocked. I'd be very disappointed in Sandy Brondello as a coach of the New York Liberty if she yeah. didn't call the dogs out yeah. and play these gals as physically as they possibly can, try to get Asia or anybody in foul trouble, knowing that there's yeah. nothing really. I mean, you're going to come back with Sid Colson. I love Sid, yeah. but ain't no way. Like, she's going to be like the anchor of that second no. unit. And- being efficient the way they yeah. need her. But listen, if it was the, I agree with you. If it was like the first round or a regular season, yeah, then you put some of these gals in there and, and, and see what you see. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the biggest of moments. They got to go win a championship. Yeah, we're talking about the biggest moments in their career, arguably. We're talking about the WNBA finals on national television. And I think it's a really tough spot to put them in. And uh, I expect Brianna Stewart to come out tomorrow and, and, and play really well. She hasn't had the best of series but uh, I, I, I just think it's coming back Friday night for game five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm ready for I'm already uh, ready yeah. for the game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I told I told Vivica, I said, hang on, let's wait and see what happens tomorrow night before you book your flight. That, but I said, yeah, What's it's crazy it's, is <laughs> the aces were up to nothing in dominant fashion. Oh, sure. You know, with five minutes to go in game three, like it all just changed. And that's yeah. why it's so hard to repeat as champions like sometimes the odds are with you and sometimes you ain't so lucky well i'm gonna tell you right now if somehow the aces do win the championship whether they win tomorrow or game five without chelsea gray and stokes out there to me it's it's the best uh and she's had quite some great coaching accomplishments but to me it's the best coaching accomplishment in her career obviously you put the nba summer league up there and winning a championship last year if she can find a way to steal one of these next two games to me, it's the best coaching accomplishment in her career. Excellent point, Brian. That is the X factor. Yeah. Um, you know, Becky Hammond and what her staff can yep. do. She's, sure. she's now the second highest paid coach mm-hmm. in WNBA. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah. Well, you know what? She's going to earn it if she can <laughs> over the course of the next week uh, or the next several days. Uh, Sports Nista, it is always great to get your perspective. And uh, I'm going to assume that we're going to see you out there Friday night. But hey, stranger things have happened. You never know. I hope know. not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm selfish. I, I want to watch another game of Vivica Fox. So, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm selfish like yeah. that. But hey, what are you going to do? She's a lot of fun. She is. Vivica's awesome. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again, as always. And uh, we will uh, talk to you soon. Uh, Sports Nista, you do a great job over there with Alan Snell at lvsportsbiz.com. Mm-hmm. Love your articles. And we will see you soon. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye bye. All right. Cassandra Cousino, always a, a pleasure having her on. She knows her stuff, man. Uh, she's great. And um, yes, I'll, I'll say it again. I said it. Now, listen, I get it. We have some biased people in this town, and that's okay. You could actually argue that I'm a little biased in that I want the Aces to win. Of course I do. I want the Raiders to win. I want the Aces to win. I want UNLV to win. But I'm, I'm always going to be honest with you. I don't think the Aces win this series. I think they lose the next two games. If they don't, I hope I'm wrong because I want the Aces to win. I picked Liberty to win this series. And after the first two games, I was saying to my friend, boy, was I wrong. You know, I thought the Liberty were going to win game two. I thought they were going to split. Um, and to the Aces credit, they were phenomenal. And I got to see it firsthand sitting on the court, right? Um, but as great of a coach as Becky Hammond, and she's a really good head. I'm not breaking any news there. Becky Hammond's a great coach. 
and I love some of these players. You you take away Chelsea Gray out of the uh, equation, this team's in a lot of trouble. Chelsea Gray is their floor general. It always seems like when they need a basket or they need a, a, a big stop, she's always in the play. She's always making a big shot. She's always stealing the basketball or, you know, she's always in a play to help her team win. And she's a veteran and she's been there before and she's an all-star and she's, she's a phenomenal all-around basketball player. One of the best female basketball players in the world right now, Chelsea Gray. Great player. She ain't coming back. She's on a scooter. She ain't coming back. I have no idea what Stokes. See, normally if Stokes was out of the lineup, it wouldn't be as big of a concern for me. But it's a big concern because you need big bodies against the Liberty. It's a bad matchup. So you take Stokes out of the lineup, to me, it, 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 it's, it's a horrible loss because she's still somebody that can rebound and play defense, and you have to guard the big two on the Liberty. They're four and five, some of the best in the world. And, and with Stokes out of the lineup, who the hell is going to be guarding them? You know, Asia Wilson can't do it by herself. She's got her hands full already. And Kayla George is going to, is going to guard one of them. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just, I just give it, if I'm coaching the Liberty, you got mismatches everywhere. Not to mention the extra minutes that your uh, aces are going to have to play. We even forgot about that. Plum's going to have to be out there the whole game. Jackie Young's going to have to be out there the whole game. They're not going to be able to rest. You're telling me that's not a factor in the second half. They're going to pretty much have to play the entire 40 minutes unless they get in foul trouble. Sydney uh, Colson. I mean, what? You play her a couple minutes here and there, I guess. Yes, I think the Aces are in trouble. Yes, I don't think they win this series. Yes, I think the odds right now on the Aces being a minus 250 favorite is absurd. Absurd. Crazy odds. Um, So we'll wait and see what happens. If they win tomorrow, Numbchuck could throw egg at my face on Thursday, and I'll, I'll be happy about it. And I'll be like, hey, it's a, it's a free breakfast for me, and I'm happy the Aces won the championship. Um, do I want to see a Game 5? Yes. Do I want to sit courtside with Vivica A. Fox for Game 5? Yes. Do I want to be mingling with celebrities? Yes. Do I want to be able to sit courtside and say I was on the floor on a game on ESPN, and I watched the Aces win a WNBA championship sitting with Vivica A. Fox? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. That would be a lot of fun. I had the time of my life the other day. And the Aces are so awesome, by the way. Uh, the, the entire organization, the way they treated Vivica, and and um, they were just first class. But I expect that from them. They're a great organization, and they were awesome. So, yes, am I pulling for them to win tomorrow? Sure. But a part of me also says it's a win-win for me because then uh, as a fan, I, uh, I get to see game five on the court, and, and that's it doesn't get much better than that. Um, so, again, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Congratulations to UNLV football. A great five-and-one start, keeping the cannon red. And that was uh, a lot of fun having Mr. Jesus on the line with us, um, talking to him. Great young man and uh, happy for the UNLV football program. And uh, quite frankly, I am not surprised. I am not surprised that they're five and one. At this point, I thought they would be four and two. Not surprised that they're five and one. You got a good head coach. You got a good coaching staff. You got character players. You got a physical football team. UNLV football is a good product for the first time in a very long time. And um, they deserve it. As far as UNLV basketball, that's still up in the air. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I like Kevin Kruger a lot. He just joined us on the show last week. Uh, I'm pulling for Kevin. He's a great dude. There's just a lot. LaRock is a phenomenal coach. What she's done with the women's program, it's it's second to none. Um, but I'm a little worried about Kevin this year. I'll be honest. I'm a little worried. He's got the players. 
you got to get it done, Kev. And he knows that you got to get it done. You got to, you got to get, you got to win a lot of games this year. You got to find your way to the Mountain West Conference tournament finals. You got to find a way to get to the NCAA tournament. You got to find a way. I, I hope he does, man. I'm pulling for him. Uh, as far as the Raiders organization goes, uh, I don't care if they're four and three. They're not a good football team. They're not good under Josh McDaniels. Just because you beat the Patriots and you'll probably beat the Bears uh, and you beat the Packers, which has just a horrific offense. Uh, the Raiders are not a good football team. And Josh McDaniels is not a good head football coach. Sorry. But, the, but Sorry. they're going to beat the Bears without Justin By the Fields. way, that's not a guarantee that they beat the Bears. It's but, not a guarantee. But they, the Bears won't have Justin Fields. Which is they're going to lose. Which is a big loss for them. But I'm, I'm not I'm not counting on the Raiders to win any games on the road. I'm sorry, I'm not. They barely beat the Broncos. We know how bad the Broncos are. They're out. They're without Garoppolo. So I'm not I'm not giving the Raiders a W. I'm not going to say yes. That's a W. Should they win? Sure. Does it mean they're going to win? No. I'll say this: It'd be a pretty awful loss. I just I enjoy seeing Bill Belichick in pain. I saw I saw some pictures of him uh, two weeks ago after their loss when they got uh, belted. Scoreless. He was at McDonald's ordering a bur- uh, ordering a burger and fries. I thought that was funny. Can you end the show with your best Belichick? Talking about this week. Talking about this week. We're focused on this one. We didn't get enough plays done. Uh, we didn't. We didn't execute. We 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 didn't do enough to win. Next question. <laughs> that's really that's really every press conference he's done this year for the most part. We didn't do enough to win. We didn't deflate the footballs enough. We didn't cheat enough. Bill Belichick's a jerk. I'm sorry. Probably go down as the best NFL coach of all time, but he's a jerk. He's a jerk. Uh, as far as character goes, I would take Josh McDaniels over Bill Belichick. As far as like maybe more personable and a nicer person, I would take Josh McDaniels. Football coach, I think I think we can probably answer that for ourselves. But uh, hey, the Vegas Golden Knights are tonight. I'm going to find out what Chris Wynn is betting, and I'm going to bet the opposite. But uh, really, really good hockey team in town. Probably one of the best teams in the league in the Dallas Stars. Uh, you want my pick on the game? I think Dallas wins tonight, but I could be wrong. The Knights are pretty darn good, too, last I checked. I think we got a great hockey game with two of arguably the best teams in the league, the Dallas Stars in town and the Vegas Golden Knights. Could be a preview of the Western Conference Finals, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.